Yeah, I'm from West Africa, Ghana. Precisely a crock, Charlie. Tell him. Why ain't nobody playing, man? We just gotta get it. Bonnie in. Kemi Akashi. Hustle all day. Mimbi Sane, Mini Sane. Ogbe, Ogbe in Kane. But I'm faster. Bugatti Chone. I don't read over the Mikane. You bugging, I did them Bonnie. Don't drip, Kateki. Don't slip. Kashane, the styles is free, but then the talent is paid. I could do it for free, but then the crowd would date. I say, F it if you owe me, better pay me my money. I'm gonna take a family life if it's Podcast. No. Obviously, Joey has been overthrown. No, uh, this is Stace Makers African. This got nothing to do with us. Like, I'm really having like a terrible day. So, I spent the whole day in the hospital. My granny is sick, so I'm I'm kind of like. See, in in Ghana, it's better to be caught by police than to be caught in the health system. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, for real, for real. Like, because when when someone is sick, it's actually like (laughs) the most difficult thing to get a reasonable doctor to tell you that oh, go and do a lab test. Mm. And after you do the lab test, now you need to like like you before you even reach a lab like. The queue is like three million. <laughs> three million? Yo, you have no idea. <laughs> like you can spend all day just queuing day. for it. On a good day. If if you are if you are well off enough to go to a private clinic, then you're good. Mm. But if you are using like the general the general hospitals and like you're like shit storm, like none. And especially if you are on the health health insurance, you are dead. Mm. You are dead because a lot of hospitals don't take they don't accept that. Mm. So yeah, like I mean Health in Ghana is terrible. Anyway, States Makers Africa, welcome to Accra. We just told you one negative thing about Accra. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the positives then. Definitely, we should. I see you guys are having fun. Every day. Any, a, anyways, let's do the introductions. Please, just shoot. Um, my name is Sheree Robinson. I'm the founder and CEO of Taste Makers Africa. I'm originally from New York. Uh, by way of down south, uh, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, you know, mm-hmm. grits and collard greens country. And now I am, am rotating country to country to build tastemakers with our team. That's beautiful. Bus. I am Jordan Ricker from just outside Washington, D.C. Uh, now part of the strategy and operations team at Tastemakers Africa and helping to to rotate through the different cities with our international launcher team helping to start something new and change the narrative about Africa. Mm, good. Um, my name is Danica aka uh, Plantain Mommy aka Kalawele <laughs> Queen <laughs> aka Red Red Queen um, I am a tastemaker. I'm from Toronto, and um, I kind of lead out in marketing and uh, partnerships. So, yeah, that's that's me. That's my role. Her toenails are popping, by the way. Sharifa from the block. Sharifa from the block. What do I say? What do I say? Um, I'm a tastemaker's curator. So I'm a local partner. I do things here in Ghana um, to make tastemakers great. Okay, let, let's take it from the curator. Okay. Wait, I have a question. Okay. Why the name tastemakers? That's Sheree. All Sheree. <laughs> 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 um, part of it is because I felt like 
people, when they see a brand, like, it has so much meaning, right? And so the word tastemakers, people usually associate with these kind of movers and shakers and sort of underground influencers in Paris and New York. But people don't often think of Africa and the cities within the continent as as cosmopolitan as these other places. And so I wanted something that would like immediately get people talking, but also reflected like what we're trying to do. So we're not trying to be like your basic travel company. We're trying to make you feel like you've got like a well-connected person looking out for you, telling you everything that's dope, connecting you with dope people in every city on the continent. So like tastemakers for me, I felt like it would be like an oxymoron to people to say tastemakers in Africa. And I wanted to, like, start that kind of mm. conversation. So it's not a food blog? No, it's not a food blog. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I, I go ask that question. I, <laughs> I told someone at 3 p.m., hey, I'm recording a podcast with tastemakers. and like, whoa, do they make food? No. And so I had no. to ask that question. For There's food on the platform, but we don't make it. Mm. Like, you know, somebody's name is Plantain Mommy, so yeah. obviously... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Sharifa, mm-hmm. can we just take it from you? Let's 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 find out what you do because I I know you. I've known you longer. I mean, besides me and Waxy, mm-hmm. I've known you longer than anybody here in this room. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what you're doing for tastemakers. So let's do. It. Uh, well, yeah, I'm a I'm a new recruit to tastemakers. I had heard about them obviously through what they've been doing for years. Um, and had seen them on social media, but I they came to Ghana for Chaliwate, and they've been here many times before, um, and had an info session for this new thing that they're doing, which involves curators. And I was not in Ghana at the time, uh, I was out of the country, and like four different people when I came back were like, have you heard of Tastemakers though? <laughs> like, you should really get involved, this really sounds like something you'd be interested in. And I was like, okay, well, if enough people have said this, maybe I should look into this. So I met up with Jordan, and he kind of like walked me through what a curator does. By the way, Jordan is really cool. No, he's so cool. Like, he's, he's, re- really, cool. he's really cool. He's, like, cool. <laughs> he's really cool. I've never like had like a, f- um, besides the last time that I met, um, we came to, I came to your house and we, talk, we spoke. I haven't had like more than five minutes conversation with Jordan. But then anytime I see him, I was like so wild. Like, you're like. <laughs> 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 you had me up too much, man. No, man, like, you, 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 you are like, you're like a happy frat boy, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I, it's a good thing. I mean, when we watch all those college movies, like, it's a good thing. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. But, yeah, no, Tastemakers is there. I mean, I feel like I could say, but maybe defer it to one of you. But basically, as a curator, I'm kind of the on-the-ground person, like Sheree was saying, like, who will bring someone from outside and show them things in, in Accra. Okay. So you know me, you know I'm always out and about mm-hmm. doing things, yeah. which is probably why people are like, you should get involved with tastemakers, and which is why I can now tell my mother that I'm now getting paid to be out and about. <laughs> she gets home to come home. Why you always out? It's great. It's awesome. Actually, she's actually really about this. I I told her about it, and she was like, oh, you're making money though. Okay, great. <laughs> so she's on board with tastemakers. Um, but yeah, they're they're allowing not only people outside to experience things in a, pl- in a way that they wouldn't otherwise be able to, but also as a curator, you get experiences as well. And you meet people, you make money, which is never a bad thing. Um, but yeah, just the people that you meet. You get drinks. You get drinks, so <laughs> depending on your tour, if you're strategic about it, <laughs> you get drinks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously that's not why I'm 
not the only reason why I'm doing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just really believe in what they're doing and yeah, yeah I'm about it. So, Jere, um, have you ever like had this question before? Like people questioning you because you are, I mean, you are black just like I am, but then you are not like African African. <laughs> like no 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 like the level you, you know you, you know like me me I'm a Ghanaian man mm. I use my Ghanaian passport mm-hmm. I'm a pure Ghana man like I don't even have Joe Chase is my nickname I don't even have a Christian name nothing mm-hmm. like pure Ghanaian mm-hmm. you are an American and you are doing something special for the continent of Africa mm-hmm. obviously people are gonna hate on you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. <laughs> you just going in. <laughs> just rip the band-aid off. I mean, you know, if I was Ghanaian, then someone would hate on me once I went to Kenya. True. You know what I mean? So I think, like, there will always be haters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I actually appreciate being African-American. I'm not just American. For the whole history of America, America has never allowed me to be just American. Yeah. So when someone says I'm just American, I find it offensive. So, because if you look at what's happening, I've never been I allowed mean, to be just American. I mean, nobody's really an American besides the Native Americans. So right? there's that. Yeah. But so so I, I also, when people come to me with that, like I use it as like a point of discussion. Because we're always coming from, like, our unique experience and our unique lens. Mm-hmm. And if we don't talk about, like, the hard parts, then we never get anywhere. So I'm always open to kind of not run when somebody comes to me with this. You know, I'll take the time to, like, have a conversation. Um, but then I also challenge them. Because, you know, quite frankly, there are plenty of Europeans in Africa that are doing business. And no one's asking them why yeah. Africa. But the me Lebanese. being black like you, yeah. you're going to ask me of all people I mean, the why own, Africa. They own almost everything in Ghana. So, so, <laughs> so I mean, I, in, in many ways, I'm always open to, like, explain, like, my personal narrative mm-hmm. and why it was really, really important for me to do this work. But when people don't get it, I also, you know, change gears to challenge them on their own bullshit mm. and, and really say, like, but, but, like, why are you really, I think... Especially with tastemakers, it's it's an interesting concept because it's something that many people have thought of. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the first person ever yeah. to think, oh, how could I, you know, I know a lot of stuff in Accra. Or I know a lot of stuff in Nairobi. And how can I connect, you know, someone to it? I'm not, I'm not the first person to do that. I'm not the first person to do tours. I'm not the first person to do many of the things that we're doing. But what I have built alongside of our team is a structure and a system that's scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that people people don't get how are you able to get investors? How are you able to... Because people feel like they could do it too. Like, mm-hmm. it's, there's so many intangibles um, to how Tastemakers has been built that you can't just put your finger on that I think that's, like, sometimes disconcerting to people. Um, but I think, I don't know, no matter what angle you're coming from, people are always going to have a problem with it. So it doesn't really bother me like that. I mm-hmm. do enjoy breaking down those conversations yeah. and really challenging people on, like, where their perspective is. Um, and I've made some of my closest friends from those difficult conversations. And so I try to, like, focus on that. But I think the other thing is, like, I don't think that anyone can decide for me, like, how African I am or not. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, yeah. it's not your place to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, does a DNA, DNA test that tells me my country suddenly make me more African? Nope. You know, so I, I just feel like identity is something that can't be told to someone. Your identity is what you define it as. And so for me, like, I, I don't really need somebody else's, like, yardstick to tell me if I have a right to be here or not. Good. Wait, yeah. so does, does having that conversation make it easier or more difficult to, like, do business? Um, nine times out of ten, it makes it easier because even if someone doesn't agree with me, they have to respect me. Everybody's not always going to agree with you. But if you, you have a rationale to back up what you're doing, it's okay that, that yours and mine aren't the same. Um, and I think the other thing is I, I won't just in general do business just with anybody. Mm. Like I just don't have time for like foolishness in general. So if you're not trying to build and you're about trying to figure out why your black is better than my black, then I usually don't want nothing to do with you anyway. So it's also just like, I'm not asking people for favors. I'm asking for people to build together. So if you're not trying to do that, then I'm usually just not interested anyway. Okay, um, can you run us through like a story while you started? I mean, I've, I've heard it. I've heard it like twice, or no, I've heard it like three times. But me over here, I don't think he's ever heard it. Like, can you run us through it? Um, I'll start with a specific moment, which is yeah. a little bit different than how I usually tell the story. Okay, then. So I'll first give like a bit of my background. So my, my family is from the South, um, and my family was not like the educated African-Americans. Like we left from slavery and then were sharecroppers and then were migrant workers. Um, and so we, I don't come from like a highly educated family background. But what's interesting about that is I think being from more rural areas and rural pockets of African-American culture in the South actually allowed us to be a lot closer to our ancestors' way of being Mm -hmm. than if we were, like, educated and kind of in these big schools and colleges and trying to kind of integrate. Mm -hmm. So my family wasn't integrated for a long time. And so small things like eating with my hands. I remember the first time I came to Africa, I was in uh, Sierra Leone. And so I went to this village called Bo, which is like four hours north of Freetown. And so they were giving me food. And the chief was like, I know you you Americans, you know, you don't eat with your hands. And I laughed and I was like, I've been eating with my hands since I was a little girl. Like we eat collard greens and cornbread and grits and we do it all with our hands, like ever since I was a child. And so it was just funny to me, like how close what we do is to the things I see here. And so that kind of. From, a, from being a small child, like, Africa was always something that was very present in my mind. Um, but once I started to travel, I started to travel for work. And I think the pivotal moment for me was actually in Nairobi. So I was in Nairobi um, for work. I used to work in agriculture. And um, I was in my 20s. And so as soon as the workday was done, like, I was trying to see what was popping. I was on every blog. And this is, like, five, six years ago. And maybe seven years ago. And I'm, like, trying to see what's going on. This is before OK Africa got really big. It's before, like, being African was, like, cool. Like, Mm -hmm. you still had to dig a bit to figure out what was going on in cities. And I would be obsessed with finding out who the people are. But when I was in Nairobi, one of my sorority sisters, who was much, much older than me, she came... She came through our through our sorority in the 70s, and I came through, like, in 2003, so, like, 30 years older than me. But she was consulting on the first season of MTV Sugar, 
And that was being filmed in Nairobi. And so, you know, some sorority folks connected us because we were both in Nairobi at the same time. And she was like, oh, come have dinner with me and my colleagues. And then afterwards, she was like, oh, you know, you're, you should meet with some young people like you instead of hanging out with us. And so I was like, okay, whatever. And so she introduced me to three people. Uh, one person um, is a filmmaker called Winori, who's like a really major filmmaker out of Kenya. Then there's this guy called uh, Kimathi, who's a fashion designer who had like his T-shirts on Jay-Z in New York mm-hmm. and kind of went back and forth between New York and Nairobi. Um, and then this other woman called Kathy Fury, who's a Zambian and who's like an executive producer. And so these personalities for me were like people I had never imagined. So even though I had this like affinity for Africa, I hadn't, it wasn't tangible to me. It was like this romantic thing of my homeland sort of vibes, but I really hadn't really thought about it in a modern context. And so I spent the whole week with them. Like we hit it off, we were at the club, tearing it down. Like just every single day we were on rooftops and I was sharing on Facebook because it wasn't any, Instagram wasn't a thing yet. So I was sharing on Facebook and I remember so many comments on all my pictures and everything I was sharing and people were just like, what Africa is that? Because that is not the Africa we know. And that kind of started a conversation like within myself on like redefining what Africa even meant to me mm-hmm. and, and, and really repositioning the continent through a modern lens. Um, and that became my journey wherever I went. So when I went to Johannesburg for the first time, the first day I got there, I went to a party uh, run by a black South African advertising agency. Mm. And so all of these lives became really illuminated to me. And I began making all these friends from Lagos to Nairobi. And like I kept in touch with everyone. Mm-hmm. And I was still kind of working in development and things like that. But every time I was in one of these cities, I would share my experience. And eventually, people started meeting me wherever I was. So when Social Media Week happened in Lagos for the first time, I think it was 2012, like 10 of my friends literally up and booked tickets to Nigeria because I was meeting with their uh, agriculture ministry. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I could set this meeting for the same time as this Social Media Week thing, and I bet I can meet cool people there. And so like 10 of my friends just up and came to Lagos, and we just like balled out in Lagos. And so I started taking people, (laughs) and that became a thing. Like that became a thing, Um, and then eventually couple years ago I was like no this could really be a thing like all these relationships I've built like what does it look like to build something to actually bring people there and like make it a business and that's when I started doing like the trips for tastemakers and 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 from there you know kept building kept building and then I think eventually realized that the power of tastemakers is in the people it's not in the process of planning a trip it's actually in the process of connecting people to people they would have never not only met but maybe even thought about Mm -hmm. in this place and that's why we pivoted to this new platform where we're you know building these networks of curators in each city Mm -hmm. and connecting people directly through them in a peer-to-peer kind of experiences way so that's like the journey book and experience yes (laughs) yes so um jordan Mm -hmm. you you're caucasian very much so. <laughs> but you, to me, you're an Accra boy. <laughs> um, how is it like dealing with um, Africans in Africa in general? Like, what are the challenges? 
It's it's interesting. I mean, this is something that Sharifa and I were actually talking about earlier today when we were, we were walking through one of her, her experiences, um, which is super dope, by the way. Like, there's, a, <laughs> there's a jacuzzi mm. in Osu, and if you haven't checked it out, you need to book Sharifa's experience. But, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, to your point, it's, it's something that, you know, when Africans see me as a white man, there's a certain image they're going to have in their head, and there's a certain dynamic that is always there that is just not present mm-hmm. when either interacting with, you know, an African-American or interacting with another African. And I think that that's something we've tried to be really, really conscious of in our team and, you know, say, how can we, you know, be very mindful of this in all of our interactions, but also say, you know, this is something that we need to, to change at the same time because at the end of the day there shouldn't be this racial power dynamic but it's mm-hmm. there and if you ignore it then it's it's going to keep festering and keep getting worse but if you acknowledge that say hey you know the way someone's going to look at me is going to be the way is different than the way someone looks at Sharifa yeah. how can we acknowledge that and start to break it down instead of just ignoring it and saying no 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 no, no. I don't see color cuz that's not true that's just not how it exists. And so I think that that's something that's very conscious in our minds. Um, and it's, you know, it boils down to even just like day to day, hour by hour, each individual human interaction that you have, trying to change the way people actually think about those individual human connections. Okay. Um, Plante mommy. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the food in Africa, let's let's not even talk about Ghana right now. We are we are talking about Africa as a whole. Um, which country has actually like given you the best food so far? Oh, I haven't traveled all over um, Africa enough, um, but like there's like places that like. I like fall in love. I'm like, I'll eat anything. I'm fat as hell. Like, I will <laughs> eat anything. <laughs> like, so, I mean, Ugali, when I was in Kenya, Ugali, I ate that for like, I was there for a week and I ate that for seven days straight, no complaining. Um, I mean, that was, that was good. And, uh, Bro, Sambasa in Rwanda, though, <laughs> bro. I Like, I ate that so much. One time, I went back to the hotel, and, like, I opened up my bag, and I found Sambasa in the bottom of my bag. I was like, you're, you're gross, Danica. Like, you're gross. Like, but then I ate it. I ate it. I ate it. I don't care. I ate it. It's so good. Um, and then down here, like, red, red. Like, I remember tweeting from Tastemaker's account, like, what's our favorite color? <laughs> and, like, everybody was retweeting, like, red, red, because, like, it's so good. And, like, anything that has plantain in it and, like, coming from parents from Caribbean descent, like, we do everything in plantain. So when I came to Ghana and I said, like, y'all do everything in plantain, I was like, shit. Like, <laughs> this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> but, like, home, man. <laughs> but, like, home. Um, but, like, um, back home in Toronto, like, there's different like there's all over Toronto there's like so many different cultures and I've tried a lot of different African food and like um in Jera was one food that I tried like it's it's Ethiopian it's very different because you have to like eat with your hands but you also have to like share with people like because people be like reaching over onto the other side to get that egg and then you're reaching over to get the beef so like like that was a different 
Uh, yeah. 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 And like I'm from like the Western culture, like and even in the Caribbean, you don't really sh- you don't really share your food like that. Like even if you're eating roti and like or a bus up shop, like it's it's by yourself. So like that's a different experience. But the food is still good. Like so I don't really there's nothing that I've tried down here except for buka. I know y'all are gonna hate me. But buka, like, I like it, but then there's, like, I can't have enough of it. Like, I can't have, like, a lot of it, I should say. Like, if, if I'm eating it, like, after a while, I'm, like, I'm good. So, but other than that, like, all the food that I've tried has been amazing. You know, the crazy thing is I've never been to buka before. <laughs> never. Isn't, isn't, that the, the call, isn't that the little thing that you eat with the fish? Isn't it called buka? Or is that called something? Banku. 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 Oh. Banku. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Buka is a place. Oh, yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, that's what I was like, why are they not getting mad? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I ate Banku today, actually. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. figure. Y'all eat it every single day. Every day, every day. Like, I can never get enough of it, like, all the time, like. Yeah. So, we are direct opposites when it comes to food. <laughs> Take yourself. <laughs> so, um, what do you call it? Um... Yo, chill. You guys, so, um, Sherry, you've, I, I think you, you're the one who's been around Africa a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about people. Let's talk about African men. <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> you know, let, okay, let's not be country specific. <laughs> let's go north, east, west, and south. Oh, <laughs> isn't this one of those things where I'm supposed to give like a really politically correct? Like, no, 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 no. We ain't no. about that. Life. No, we, we, I, I didn't, I didn't say a country. Let's just say the territory, north, east, west, and west, south. hands down. Okay, hands down. <laughs> My man, <laughs> the woman, what's up? Hey, hey. <laughs> no, it's funny actually. Every every time I've, I've been traveling the continent, I've always been in a long distance relationship. Oh, so, look at you. It's a different story. You're traveling. I mean, you're traveling. Hey. Come on. That's, I, that's a free pass. You're traveling. I'm committed, though. Yeah, but still, you're traveling. <laughs> don't, don't get Jordan caught up on this. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan's like, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm living my life like, I, like I'm living it. Okay. Sheriffa. You know me, I live here. I know. <laughs> no, you don't live here. The last time I saw you snap, you were in San Francisco. You don't live here. I live here. I can no. go on vacation. We had this conversation, Joey. I, I, I don't know. You, what you're you can live about. in a place and leave it and come back and still. It's funny because so many people are like, "When are you leaving?" And I'm like, "Leaving where? <laughs> Came on a one way." The last time I saw you, I like, "Oh, you're not leaving." Next thing I see, Sarah is in San Francisco. Because I took a break. Yes, I still haven't been on Twitter and what? I know, I know. Tastemakers, yeah, Tastemakers she, got me out of my Twitter retirement. The funny thing is, she's always on. Twitter, but nobody knows. No, 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 no. She Twitter was actually no. Twitter was actually the one thing I didn't actually log into. I, I logged into my Twitter literally for the first time in four years, and I saw messages people had sent me when I lived in New York. Like, hey, I'm coming to New York. Like, want to hang out? And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> do I reply? Awkward. Sorry if anyone's listening to this. I didn't see it, and I wasn't ignoring you. <laughs> but um, but you asked me about African men. Mm. I'm African. So. Oh, <laughs> I know, but like well, you know, I mean, okay. The thing is, I can't, I can't talk about these things on on the podcast. Oh, come on. I'm out here living my life, my private life. I can't, I can't bring it onto the podcast, Joey. Don't blow up my spot. Come on. I want to know your spot. That's I know. I'm that's why you're asking me. This. I know exactly what you're doing. No comment. No, I plead the fifth. Joey, not today. Mm-hmm. Not today, Satan. Anyways, Danica. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
What can I? I don't know. Like, I feel like this is going to be like the most generalized kind of like overview when it comes to like the men in Africa. I mean, when the times I spent in East Africa and then like the East Africans I know like back home in Toronto, like if I were to explain it like in an analogy or like in layman's term, like East Africans whisper and West Africans like roar. So like. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> like if, I mean, you have Nigerian in common. Why would we roll? <laughs> but the thing is, like, when I was like, we we were we are at, actually at dinner. Uh, sorry, at lunch at in Rwanda, and the Rwandan wom- a woman was telling us like, if a Rwandan man like or East African man like likes you, you wouldn't find out like until like five years later from like their uncles, what? aunties, cousins. Right? <laughs> and like when she said that, I was like, that's so accurate. Like you like they just don't like really kind of show you like they're feeling you or like it's like in secret like so you'll be walking by like but when you like get 10 steps away they'll be like <laughs> so but then in like West Africa it's like mommy mommy <laughs> like from like across you so I feel like there's like that's like that cultural thing I don't know about North Africa and I don't know about oh, like South that much um but like that's the kind of experience I have with like African men. Like they're just like the West Africans are like a little bit more bolder yeah. and like you, like a taxi. Exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> the, I know Nigerians though. Nigerians, like I've been saying this, Nigerians <clears throat> will go all out for you just so you could just pick them. Bro, like they would just they're like after like a club or a party, they're like, Okay, like I'm gonna rent a car for you right now. We're gonna go to like a rooftop. Um, you're gonna get the master suite and then I'm gonna throw like hundred dollar bills on you before you go to bed and then there's rose petals that are gonna be uh, awaking you in the morning. Um, I'll uh, make sure that you get breakfast with doves coming up like and then like Ghanaian men will just make you fall in love with them and then ditch you then ditch you and then like two two days later you'll find out they had like a, a wife where they had like you know a girlfriend <laughs> so like that's the kind of like that's what I've gotten from the, these West African East African yeah, I don't know about that so wrong. <laughs> 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 so so Bukwa is in the house hey Hi. <laughs> Yeah. So Danica, we are gonna find you a Nigerian man. No, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, I want to go to a Nigerian wedding, so because I know they throw bands, and I'm trying to dance to get so the bands. We'll find you, we'll so find you a Nigerian man who's gonna marry you, so so that he'll throw bands on you. Yeah, plenty of dubs. Yeah, so probably somebody who works at the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was really freestyle even. That was that was that was that was blessed. That was blessed. <laughs> yeah, so um that's my boss right there, Pokua. This is a lie. Stop spreading this lie. <laughs> uh, but you're my boss. No, no, no. That's my boss. If I was your boss, like you listen to me. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh. she's actually a CEO though. I'm a Ghanaian man who don't listen. Facts. Mm. <laughs> so true. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, so, um, you exp- um, so far so good. What have you like down here? In Accra. In Accra, yeah. And this goes with like all of you guys. Um, I'll go last, actually. Jordan. Put me on the spot. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think. One of the things I've really liked is some of the the just the music scene here. 
I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, Nana Ose, mm-hmm. and we were talking kind of about the difference between Nigerian and Ghanaian music. And I think outside of of Africa, you hear a lot more Nigerian than Ghanaian music. I think the Nigerians have done a better job kind of exporting it. Is it because they're everywhere? Hey. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, there's, what, 170 million of them? I think it's like 1 billion. <laughs> Nigerians are like Chinese people. <laughs> They're like a black version of China. Everywhere. They are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are Nigerians in Afghanistan. <laughs> they live in Mexico. <laughs> Serious. I, I have proof. Uh, no, so, I mean, like, for, for me, you know, it was, it was interesting we were talking about the difference between Nigerian and, and Ghanaian music, and I think that, you know, I, I spent two weeks living in, in Lagos, and I, I love Nigerian music, but coming to Ghana, the I think it's a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and a little bit more rooted in the yeah. in the culture here, and, you know, you might, we went to a concert on on, on Friday hosted by Official Kwame. Yeah, and the Crusade. Uh-huh. And it was it was awesome. And I saw you with your yeah, yeah, bottle yeah. of beer. Hey, yeah. <laughs> only, only club, only club here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, enjoy your shandy. Mm. But no, I mean, I, so I think you know that's something I've really really liked is you know the music is more local mm-hmm. here, and I, I think you know you, you when you see the fans screaming out all the different words at the at the concert, um, and just seeing kind of the the connection people have to it. And that, you know, Ghanaian artists, from what I've seen, think about, they don't think about, okay, you know, how can I be popping out in London and in New York and everything? I think it's, first off, how can I make my mark in mm-hmm. Accra? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's, I don't think you get that same vibe from a lot of other African artists. So I think that's something I've, I've seen here that's been really, really cool. Have you witnessed the One Corner Dance yet? Mm. You haven't yet. The, the one that, will you, will you do it for us? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You, you, you need to show us, though. Oh, there are videos of it all over, like, <laughs> it, like it's a go-crazy thing. No, I, I think you need to show us right now. No, it's, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Sheriff, I put your camera down. There's nothing going on here. There's nothing to it. No, it had to be after. after. Yeah. Yes. Um, Danica, you want to give us what you like? Uh, so in terms of like um, I said like infrastructure or like what is actually like landscape and stuff is happening in Ghana, I would say um, it's beautiful. Like the time, like I haven't been all over, but I, like I've been to the Volta area and like done some adventure stuff there, and it's like amazing. And and I feel like the Ghanaians don't really explore it that much, but I really appreciated it. Um, and I would say like. Just, like, every place, like, from Osu to, like, Laboni to East Lagon to North Lagon, there's always, like, a kind of like a home kind of feeling to every place you enter. Um, like even if it's, it is, like, an upper echelon kind of restaurant or a, a club, like, you still don't, you don't always feel that kind of, like, oh, I'm in this area, like, where I don't belong sometimes. Um, so I, I kind of like that kind of vibe that you have um, in, in Accra, I would say. Um, and, um, I do like the fact that, like, you could, you could buy, you don't even have to go to the mall. 
you could just hop in your car and go to an intersection and you could buy anything you want. Um, that is convenience. Like, I, I feel like um, people might see that as like, oh, that's just like a third world country or whatever. But I think that's a level of convenience that like we just haven't really tapped into because I feel like my generation is about convenience. And if like a lot of people down here tap into that, like that is a market that is amazing. Like you, if you're selling like, uh, you know, a toothbrush on road. If you're selling dogs at Accra Mall, <laughs> bro, like that's convenient. Um, I would say from a cultural aspect, like there's a lot of love within like uh, a Ghana and Accra. I would say, um, like I, I was at like Seraglio and this artist, like if I was in Toronto, like he seemed like he was really really local, like like his friends were supporting him there or whatever. But if I was in Toronto and like that guy steps up on stage, everybody would just be sitting their hands folded, like nobody would have like wrapped along or anything. But the way everybody knew lyrics and was supporting, I was like, this is mud mud. Like they like were so supportive, and like I really like that about any city that I'm in, and I see that I know that like Aquaba, like I'm welcome. So um, I like that about the culture in Accra. Like it's just and everybody's dancing every time, any time of the day. Like that's my favorite thing. Like I could go on road and like see somebody like dancing to Shatawale. Like that is my favorite thing to see because like I always like to dance. I'm always dancing. And so now that I know that I have partners in Accra that will always dance with me, it makes me so happy. So. <laughs> you yeah. looking at Sharifa when you said partners. <laughs> I never said Sharifa dance. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> Sheree, it's your turn. Um, I think the, it's interesting. My favorite, favorite thing about Ghana also makes Ghana, um, one of the more difficult cities for us to work in. And that's that people are really proud to be Ghanaian or they're proud to be Ghana or they're proud to be a son. Like they're, like, they're, they're, they're really proud and they, I find that more than many other places, you know, you have a lot of young people who are really protective of their culture mm. and protective of their cultural institutions and the things they create, um, which makes it a really special place to be because there is, I think to Danica's point, this kind of support for what's local mm. um, does exist. Um, but sometimes people can be a bit too overprotective and so things can't grow. And so there's this interesting kind of tug of war that I see in Ghana particularly that's like, this protection of our cultural goods, uh, particularly against commercialization, um, but then this like unwillingness to explore how do we export this or how do we share this in a way that allows us to protect the root of it while being able to gain from it. I think that's where, like, if you look at music, that's what Nigeria is like killing Ghana on is the actual organization of things to be able to turn it into a profitable entity. So Ghana has amazing things that will never leave Ghana because of how protective people are. And so it's literally my favorite thing because, you know, you go to East Africa and, and not everyone, but there is this kind of tendency to jump on what's Western, mm -hmm. like faster than what people do here. And I don't like that. Um, I, I like I like I like the idea that we want to protect and own our cultural exports, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes I wish people were able to take a ten thousand foot view and see that not every opportunity is a bad opportunity, or not everybody is trying to take what you have. Like there are 
genuine allies out there and and really your job is to discern which ones they are um i think the other thing uh that i like about ghana is ghana is and again it's like a double-sided thing ghana is the the core of pan-africanism globally um and that's really really important to me kind of at a, at a personal level um, I do fear that the newer generation is doing away with that, and I think that's a mistake. Um, but I think that pan, the Pan-African heart uh, globally is in Ghana, and I think Ghana has a huge role to play, especially now with everything that's happening in the world, to kind of bring that into the modern context. Like, So what does Pan-Africanism look like beyond you know everybody wearing a dashiki and going to Cape Coast Castle? Like, what does it look like? <laughs> And, and there's nothing, I mean, that's an amazing experience. But I think Ghana uniquely is positioned to sort of own that man- mantle um, and, and, and to figure out ways um, to, to, to really build those Pan-African connections in a way that not only benefits Ghana, but benefits black people globally. Okay, so guys, what are your Ghanaian names? <laughs> I know you guys are Ghanaian names. I definitely do. What's your Ghanaian name? Yeah, Asantua. Okay. <laughs> Kweku. Kweku. No, 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 you know, you didn't correct anybody else. <laughs> but you said it right. Some easy ones. Though. That's why it's mine is hard. Mine, okay, Essie. I just say Essie. Essie. Yeah. That's the one I wanted. That's, that's, that's the one I want a necklace like of, anyways. Just Essie. Just Essie. Just Essie. Akusia. Acoustic. I think an end name. Could you a button? Try mentioning that. You can't. Is that your government name? You? <laughs> Is that your name on your on your passport? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> so um I think I spoke with Jordan about this. Like how do you ensure that even though you are, you are helping, you're making an impact, like you don't eventually become this monster that's being exploitative? So I think one is I don't see us as helping. The just the I come from development. I used to work for the World Bank. I left the World Bank because I just didn't believe in that structure. So I think the thing that gets me really excited about our model is that the people that are coming onto our platform are already doing interesting things. The only thing we're doing is bringing a market and technology to make it easier for them to share how dope they already are. So there's a there's a mutual a mutual benefit to people being on our platform and and for us making the platform available. And so I think this idea of helping like it's one of the reasons I don't call tastemakers a social impact business. It's one reason I never go speak at social entrepreneurship mm-hmm. conferences even though everyone's like why don't you go apply for the social impact fund or no, I'm not going to do that. Like because and it's not because I don't think we're having social impact. It's because I just don't believe in what these things stand for. Like for me, 
we're creating economic opportunity, we're funneling resources into real people, we're providing support even beyond this sort of transaction that they're having. Like, we provide mentorship to our curators, we help them make their experiences better. If they have existing businesses, we provide um, advice and support. We're like partnering with Princeton to, to create an ecosystem of people to mentor people and other things they wanna do beyond the platform. And so I think for me, you know, just this, by way of the way the business is built, yes, we want to be big. I want to go toe-to-toe with Airbnb all day. I also want a billion-dollar valuation. But I think what we've got to stop doing um, is equating commercialization with evil. Because we live in capitalism. So unless suddenly tomorrow the world will no longer be capitalist, I think that we have to get rid of the idea that making money is bad and figure out a way to make money that's sustainable and equitable across people. And that's how I see what we're doing at Tastemakers. We probably take the lowest commissions of any of our peers, and we probably involve the people on our platform in our vision and in our evolution way more than any other platform like ours. And I think for us, it's it's in our core values to make sure that people are exchanging on equal playing field. Um, and those core values will never change, no matter how big we get. So to me, being big isn't bad, but it's how you grow and who you bring along with you as you grow um, that that makes the difference. And I think, you know, to, to Sherry's point, that we walk through every single experience yeah, you we offer that. on the platform, every single one there is a team member that walks through. And so it's not just like something that you see on the website. And so we know when we talk Wait, so if it's a bar run, you're gonna do it like so many times? Hmm? Are you gonna be drinking with them? (laughs) (laughs) I was was gonna make sure it's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, uh, surface surface part of the truth. I'll I'll show you his experiences. No, no, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's important because, you know, we're actually saying, you know, this works, this doesn't work, whatever else, but we're talking with our curators and we're seeing, you know, what are some of their hopes? What are some of their dreams? You know, what is their voice in this? And I think especially we're at the the earlier stages right now and so kind of the input and the thoughts they have on what we're doing are really, really important. And like in Sharifa's application, for instance, she was asking a number of questions on things that we hadn't fully thought through to, you know, all the way to letter Z. Mm. And so we know, okay, okay, let's incorporate this into how we're moving on from then. And I think that, you know, like Sheree said, it's not like business equals evil, but I think it's, it's the way you go about it. And I think for us, because we actually walk through every single individual experience and we know every single curator personally, and they know us, you know, they keep us accountable mm-hmm. for what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, would you say you have like a favorite experience? Absolutely not. I would not say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's very Very political. Wait, Dadika, you? If I have a favorite experience. I'm sure it's eating bread. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not an experience yet. So shout out to anybody that wants to do that. Um, we'll be happy to have you on board. Um, I don't have a favorite experience. I think all of them are great. They're so creative. They're so, like, 
enthusiastic and energetic and like tastemakers the idea has been new to me since like february when i came on board so like now seeing it come to life like it's so exciting that i can't say i have favorites because everything is just like so epic so i don't i don't have a favorite everything's just so dope and like and when i go to Nairobi, we go to nairobi and we go to south africa like it's gonna be the same thing too i, I can't say like it's gonna be my favorite because i'm sure there's gonna be dope things to do there that i'm gonna be like oh my god like wow for our well i mean we'll, we'll get applications and we say wait what someone does this <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy and then it's like oh man our job's hard <laughs> we have to go do this with them <laughs> Wait, so did you expect the response you've gotten from applicants, people you've you've engaged with? Hmm. It's interesting. Um, Tastemakers has been a nebulous thing for many people for the two years that I've been building it. Mm -hmm. So some people might know for sure that Tastemakers is these group trips or did these group trips, you know, every few months to a different African country. And so some people know tastemakers as that. And other people only know tastemakers from Instagram. Or some people only know tastemakers from, you know, what they read in Vogue or what they read in Condé Nast. And so what I found interesting in building tastemakers is that people have, um, they project so much onto the Mm -hmm. platform because it's never been hugely defined in terms of where we're going. Um, and so then, now that we've pivoted the business to something much more tangible um, and something that allows people to get involved, that's been an interesting experience because some people have des- had decided that Tastemakers was a luxury platform. And then when they see that it's not, yeah. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> 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 you know, they see that that's not all it is, they're like, oh. Or other people thought, oh, I just thought you were an Instagram. And now you're, like, this whole business with, like, actual people people and investors and, like, the whole thing. You know, and you're a technology startup. And, you know, because we we situate ourselves in in very interesting intersections. So lifestyle, travel, technology. And, And I don't like to be boxed in. And I think the business reflects, like, that perspective. Um, And so the response to tastemakers in general has largely been really, really good. I think the thing that's surprising um, is to see who has come, who has stepped forward to actually be curators. I mean, I think one of the things we've learned in Ghana is you have sort of fans of, hyper fans of tastemakers, you know, people who are influential, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're like, what experience are you going to host for people? It's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think learning about those nuances has been really, really interesting. Um, some things have been surprising in good ways, and some things have been surprising in not so good ways. Um, but I think for the curators that are on board, I'm overwhelmed by their, I think it's Danica's point, enthusiasm and creativity and commitment. I mean, we WhatsApp, call, we last minute say, let's have a dinner. You know, we, you know, we, and people are here for it. People are so excited to have a way to express themselves. And that's ultimately what it is. Yes, it's about giving a traveler experience, but it's also just about giving people an opportunity to express themselves and their lens on a city while making some money. Nice. Yes, I have a question. So we've been talking a lot about, um, I guess, the experience here mm-hmm. and um, getting people to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, but what has been your experience getting, like, 
Ghana to the world mm-hmm. in the sense that Ghanaians generally don't travel much. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they travel, it's like very difficult for them to be like, okay, we're going to do this curated thing where it's, we're not going to spend time with family. We're going to like let a company or, you know, a group sort of take charge of our experience outside of our um, home. What has been your experience get drawing Ghanaians out of mm-hmm. their comfort zone into mm-hmm. um, experiences outside of the country so it's it's interesting um most of the people up until this new so our new site like launches on october 9th okay. uh in private beta so it won't be you have to like try to get an invitation code um to get onto it and That's and accra accra is the first thing <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we get invitation <laughs> But I think one of the things I'm really interested in seeing with this new model, especially because our trips are like 10-day things somewhere else. We manage the whole thing, but it's like $3,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can book a tastemaker's experience on the new platform for like 40 bucks. So even if you're planning your budget holiday to South Africa and you just want to have one moment where you take it up a notch, yeah. it's, it's affordable. That's Whereas good. before, the trips put tastemakers out of reach for people already living on the mm-hmm. continent unless they were super wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so while I don't have kind of a history of what that looks like, I'm really excited about the the potential for us to inspire people living in our destination cities to mm-hmm. utilize the platform as well. Right. And we're starting to, see, I mean, even being in Ghana and becoming more visible and people seeing that it's a whole team mm-hmm. and interacting with people on a personal mm-hmm. level, like Tastemakers is now tangible to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think now 35% of our audience are people actually living on the continent in Kenya, in Ghana, in South Africa. We're starting to see more inbound emails and how about this trip or how do I go here from people locally. Okay. And so I'm really excited to like use our influence um, and use what we've done to actually tap into some of that local market and also partner with people locally that are doing these things. Mm-hmm. And I think there are people locally too who don't know oh, that some of these experiences exist. Mm-hmm. In their own countries. Right. Yeah, like I'm, I'm Snapchatting some of this stuff and some of my friends here that? and I'm probably like, wait, where are you? And you know, they're, they're really excited um, to see some of the stuff that, okay, but when's the, when's the website launching? Like when can I start booking experiences? And these, I mean, these are people who have lived in Accra, I mean, some of them for, for six months, but some of them for their entire lives. Right. And they have no idea that people are out here doing these incredible things. And so I think, you know, part of that is, of course, you know, travelers coming in, but also Ghanaians and Africans in other countries being like, oh, wait, there's more to my city than I thought there was. And, you know, for us, it's really cool to be able to have this platform, to be able to engage you know, people already living here mm-hmm. to tap into another side of their city in a way they didn't know was possible. And yeah. then gradually take them to other places right. as well. I literally sat, I w- was in a conference in Rwanda and like a guy was like, we were trying to network. And I was so turned off because he came up to me and he was like, you know, but in Rwanda, this thing, Kigali, there's not much to do. I was like, we literally just like, uh, so Tastemaker is like, we released like an insider guide to Kigali uh, for the conference. And like, I showed it to him and he was like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize. 
You could do all that. And I was just like, I was like, what the hell, bro? Like, this is your city. Because, like, for me in Toronto, like, if you if anybody came to Toronto, which is why I like Tastemakers, if anybody came to Toronto, like, my experience would be like the ice cream queen. I would be like the dessert, the dessert person, like, because I know all the spots, and I'm excited about that to show people like this is what I do in my city. Like, I'm my, I have a calendar for our friends. We share a calendar, and I organize it. And, like, every week there's something to do. Mm-hmm. If there's a new place, if there's, like, a place we haven't explored, like, I have that calendar set. And, like, if they don't abide by it, I'll go by myself. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think, like, when people say, like, oh, there's not much to do in their city, but then, like, you have a platform that allows you to do that. Like, in, in, in a lot of, like, Western cities, there, there are, like, blogs and stuff that make you, like, you could research and do it. But I don't know if there's a lot of that in African cities. Mm-hmm. Like, and if it is a blog, it's usually self Inflicted, like it's like, oh, look at me, I'm I'm going to do this, but it's not like how can how can somebody else do it, and like where where do I click to make sure I could do it? So that's why I like tastemakers because we're like we're not only like you know providing experiences, but we're like we're encouraging people to like have that love for their city, Mm -hmm. in 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 other ways. Do you ever get the reaction that's like, oh, you know, oh, we don't do those kinds of things here? Like if you suggest, let's. I don't know. I can't think of. Yeah, we went kayaking. We went kayaking in in the Volta region, Mm -hmm. and uh, we went for a twenty k, you know, mountain bike ride. And like when we talked to our curator, who is in charge of the adventure um, experience, he says that a lot of Ghanaians, like I haven't heard it myself Mm -hmm. firsthand, but I've he's he's said to me uh, a lot of us to us a lot, like you know, a lot of Ghanaians are just like, oh, we. Kayaking, nah. What I think is interesting, especially like um, if you look in the broader context of what's happening, even in the states. So in the past four years, there's been this like black travel movement happening mm-hmm. in the states, and so you know companies older than tastemakers, so Travel Noir, there was a Nomadness Tribe, like all these different groups started um, maybe a couple years ahead of us getting started, um, and using imagery and kind of collectivism to kind of say, wait a minute, like there's actually nothing we can't do. And I think what we're doing on the continent is 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 very similar to that and kind of repositioning it and showing, I mean, I mean, it's really funny, our Instagram, um, I was in Cape Town um, and we were hosting like a get together on this rooftop and um, it was a mixed crowd because it's Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And this guy came up to me and he goes, is, is, is Tastemakers only for black people? <laughs> and I was like, well, why, did you, why are you saying that? Like, what, what makes you say that? Well, all the pictures on your Instagram of, like, are Africans or black people from around the world. And I was like, it's, for, it's about Africa. So <laughs> you wouldn't think black people. Shocking. And so I said, you know... You know how many things I purchase and take part in that I don't see myself in? Mm -hmm. Imagine if every black person only bought things from companies that showed pictures of black people. We wouldn't have bought shit ever. (laughs) You know, and so it's interesting because it's just kind of like we use these images and we involve these people. And now we put these curators at the forefront of the Mm -hmm. platform so that it's it's relatable mm-hmm. to people. And so if we make it cool and we make it dope, I mean, it's it's people will do it. Yeah. So it might be a while, but you're you're beginning to see it yeah. and if you make it easy for people then then you've halfway won the battle. Yeah. 
That's probably the problem. People don't know where to start. Exactly. So how do I plan, you know, mm-hmm. like something out of the ordinary? Mm-hmm. Where do I even go? And, mm-hmm. you know, showing that it's actually possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely important. So what's a day at this maker like? I'll let them go. Because <laughs> <laughs> my days are crazy. Uh, well, today, for instance, we had... Uh, uh, <laughs> Every, every morning, basically, we kind of go over our, our current listing of where we are in the process. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of hours on Excel, uh, which is not the fun side that you see on Insta stories all the time. Uh, but it's, it's really important you know, for our, our back-end processes to make sure that we're keeping track of everything. So there's uh, always a few hours of that. Um, you know, a few hours of answering emails kind of from all over the continent as we're trying to coordinate our next cities and, and various partnerships and everything else. Um, we actually had a, a meeting um, with, a, with a potential advisor today, someone here in Ghana. Um, and then I was actually walking through uh, one of Sharifa's experiences. And so it's really, really varied. Uh, in terms of kind of what we do, there's, I mean, there, there is a lot of back-end stuff, then there's also kind of more the fun, what we're putting out on Instagram, because we are going, going through these experiences, but it's very rare that we'll spend, you know, an entire day kind of at the office mm-hmm. just working on stuff. Usually we're, we're bouncing around and, and doing a, a lot of different stuff throughout the city. Um, so tastemakers like prior to us being in the continent we were working remotely so I'll just like do like a flashback for when I was working remotely uh, what a day was like for me was I would go to my 9 to, f- nine to 5 and do absolutely nothing I'm a 9 to 5 but do, <laughs> but do tastemakers work um, I would sit down at the desk and like tastemakers was like up on my screen and I would do probably like 5% of the work at, like where I was and it was good because I was getting paid to like you know do two things um, so yeah that was that was what it was like remotely and I would go home and like open up and we had like Zoom uh, conference meetings now talking just like be in my room or my garden or in my like in my gazebo and my hammock and like just like be talking on the phone and like a, a lot of stuff we were like arranging about coming to the continent and what we were doing here and I was always I was one of like Jordan and myself were like one of the two of the interns that were always on slack always like it'll be 3 a.m. in the morning like can I get this approved? <laughs> and I would like send it because I'm just like, this is 3 a.m. What if she's going to be mad? I'm sending it at this time. <laughs> so that's what it was like remote when I was working remotely. And then um, I was just really anxious to leave Toronto because I, I, I like, felt like something was coming. I really wanted to do something. Um, so Tastemakers, prior to coming to the continent, was like like this like thing bubbling inside. And so that was like what a day was like before that. And then when I got to... The continent, like prior to coming to the continent, like when someone would call me on the phone, I get frustrated because I'm just like, hello, hello, who is this? Huh? Can you hear me? <laughs> now that I'm finally on the continent, I'm just like, bro, like, <laughs> what's happening? And like, I can get like, where do I go? Taxi, like, I know exactly where to go. So like, it, that the convenience like became like, it switched the other way around and it would, and, and a day in life here. Um, you know, I literally, like I said, he said we wake up in the mornings. I still have burgers in my eye, and I, I'm in a robe, and we still do our work. Um, <laughs> and we still do our work, and um, we when we have when we first got here, it wasn't like oh we have a curator shoot. It was a lot of like we gotta meet people, we gotta explain to them what we're about, we gotta make mm-hmm. them fall in love with the way we fall in love with tastemakers. So that was the first like day in life. So a lot of meetings and a lot of 
talking to people and building relationships and then we got into this this groove where we like had this system where we wake up and we're like so what did he say is he going he's going to be on board are you going to visit this place and like everywhere we go and like even when we're networking now we're like we're having fun uh, we'll be at events um, but we're still working we're still I'm still asking questions like so do you actually like it here like or why is this like this and like so a day in the life of tastemakers is always like on the ball we're always working we're always finding something cool and always trying to build a relationship with somebody in the city so that's what a day in a life is like with tastemakers um, I want to ask um, the same question but to Kweku and Sharifa a day in a life as curators Kweku I beg you sit down and make you and Sharifa answer this because I feel like as a tastemaker your experience is going to be different from the curator so Guys, you should go first. Ladies first. Uh, me? Okay. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've only experienced tastemakers with the team um, a few times just because after submitting, so the process is, as a curator, you have your idea of what you want your experience to be, and there's a platform where you submit your experience. So there's various questions. You fill out a questionnaire and explain what it is you're doing, come up with a budget, etc. So once that's approved, then you go on a walkthrough, as I mentioned, um, so they'll get to see firsthand what it is that you're going to be offering. And I have a lot of ideas <laughs> of, of my experiences I want to offer. So I think Joey and I were talking about this earlier, how it's kind of hard when you have a lot of different interests to like narrow it down. Like, what do you want to show someone from your city? Because there's so much you want to you want to share with other people. So right now, um, I've done like what one one and a half experiences. Um, yeah, yeah, different parts. It, it's we've been very flexible and it's fine. It's it's Ghana is Africa. You got to be flexible. Um, so yeah, we've my experiences so far with tastemakers, the days that I've had with them um, have just been meeting up and really running through it from start to finish and, and doing it as if you were taking someone on like a proper tour so like you don't know Ghana at all and we're going around I'm telling you about this this that even just um, this was pointed out to me by Sheree like as you're driving in the car like when you're just driving through a neighborhood like you're out the window like this is this area like this is this neighborhood and just kind of really from the very basic just showing someone your city and I don't think I said this before but um, for me personally, like the reason I really identify with what Tastemakers is doing is because I'm Ghanaian. I, I was born here, but I didn't really grow up here. So for me, Ghana was like a place I even had to be like exposed to to love. Like I used to come to Ghana when I was younger with my family and like I didn't really love it, to be honest. I, if you'd ask 12 year old Sharifa if she ever see herself living in Ghana, I'd have been like, oh, hell no, like never. <laughs> but I made a friend. And that's the thing. Like that's what Tastemakers does. And what I love is people make the place, right? So, like, if you know someone in a place, your experience will be 10,000 times better than if you're just going on your own and you don't know anyone, you don't know anything. So, for me, knowing someone and being exposed to different things in Accra, like, changed my whole perspective on Ghana. And, like, it made me want to show other people that Ghana's amazing. So, when I heard what Tastemakers was doing, I was like, yo, I don't even, like, <laughs> I was sold. <laughs> it, did, it did not take much convincing. I was already on board. So, yeah, it's just kind of running through your experience, and just making sure everyone's having as great as time as you are. I personally, I've, you come up with the experiences yourself, basically. So you're choosing something you would want to do anyways and hoping that someone else would also want to do it. That aspect of it is always going to be good. But also just making sure that everyone is also having as much fun as you are, pretty much. Kweku, the floor is yours. Okay, so I'm Kweku Obeng. 
photographer and videographer for Tazemakers Africa. And trust me, the first time I had a, a call from Jordan, you know, like he primarily ran me through exactly what Tazemakers does. And from start, I was like dreading, I was like, no, maybe not. And then later on, I was like, okay, well, let me just give it a try. Because it's um, pretty much far from what I do as a photographer. And so I was like, okay, well, let me just try this experience and see. So usually for me, if it's something that I'm doing for the first time, I you know, quickly have to see what has been done over the period, and then I try to fit in. Mm. So I took some time off, you know, the usual, and you know, I had to see one or two things in terms of uh, how images are made, editing style, you know, angles and all that. And I was like, okay, well, let me just give it a shot. So for the first day, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I just caught up with the flow and it has been a great experience. Um, I don't get to sit behind my editing bench for hours lately because <laughs> <laughs> day in day out, like I'm moving around with taste makers and it's a great experience. It's a good family, and I I love it. It's yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, what's a day in the life? Yeah. <laughs> you thought we forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought I was like totally in the clear. Um, well, it's interesting because Tastemakers is not just our city launcher team. So Tastemakers is in total, I guess, a team of 10 now when I think about it. So we have our launcher team, which is myself, Jordan, and Danica, mm-hmm. and then our photographer, Kweku. Um, and then we have an operations team, which is my business partner, Jeremiah, who sits in Atlanta, and also um, our operations lead in Kenya, who's called Sweeney, which is how we got connected to our photographer here, Kweku, (laughs) all the way from Nairobi. She found him. Uh, And then we have someone uh, uh, called Marie, who sits in New York, who does part community management in New York, so engaging the audience on that side, and then part operations and sort of trip support. And then we have an engineering team, so engineering and product team. So Muuso is our uh, art director and user experience designer. He sits in Malawi. And then our lead engineer, uh, sits, Ibat, sits in Cameroon. And then our front-end developer sits in uh, Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, and then we also have um, uh, a content development person in South Africa called Tabo, and he's based in Durban. Uh, and so we're literally all around the continent and to some degree all around the world. Um, and I'm the CEO. And so while I'm embedded in our launcher team, I don't get to just focus on what's happening here in Ghana. I'm also raising a million and a half dollars for our next 18 months. So I have investors stuff to do. Then I have to manage our current investors, um, most of whom are African. Um, living in different parts of the world. And then we have a board of advisors. You know, we have someone at TripAdvisor advising us, someone at Microsoft advising us. And then we have uh, a marketing, you know, development person who uh, lived in Uganda and is running a consulting firm in New York on our advisory board. So I manage those relationships. Then we have partnerships that come and we're trying to do deals with, you know, Brussels Airline and this and that. And then we have um, kind of kind of your your 
high-level sort of strategy stuff that I need to do. And then I also still have to do the very localized things here. Um, and then you also have to actually attempt to train, support, and nurture a staff. Um, and so a day for me is often very, very stretched. Um, nine times out of ten, I don't get everything accomplish that I want to. Mm -hmm. If I can get three things accomplished in a day, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Um, and the other things just push. Uh, but it's it's really, really interesting. I mean, then you might have media. I mean, yesterday we had a call with HBO and Vice, who just like appeared in our inbox. And so, you know, you're managing this global entity. Um, and it's interesting now, I was doing it from New York you know, with, with little team, uh, but we've been fortunate to be able to grow our team and now doing it based here. Um, so it's, but no, I, I think the biggest thing, and you probably heard this from everyone, is that no no day looks the same. There, there's not like a, there are things, the only thing that looks the same are our morning meetings. And even those sometimes get pushed because we've got a shoot to do or a meeting or something <laughs> like that, that, you know, trumps that. And then we're always on Slack. So Slack is our is our friend, and, and we try to use communications and funny ways to bring a team together who doesn't get to see each other all at the same time. Interesting. One last question. If if you are not with um, tastemakers, what would your vacation look like? If you are not involved or there was no tastemakers, what would you do for a vacation? Hmm. Vacation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't involved with tastemakers, what would a vacation for me look like? I love to travel. I've been to, I think, 42 countries. So I've traveled a lot. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, vacation for me, this is going to sound kind of ratchet. So vacation. <laughs> I mean, so this, this is the last question. <laughs> vacation for me has like three parts. Right. So so one part is definitely like culture and connecting to the culture in like the most authentic way possible. So I'm always the person like I hate all inclusive resorts. I hate all of those kind of things. I, we won't ever find me there unless I'm forced and somebody else is paying for it. Um, and so for me, the first step is like connecting to the culture in, in real ways, whether that's eating food from the street or you know, finding some random bar that, like, isn't in on the resort map, you know, or staying at a locally owned property if I can. That's, like, first step. And then I also love history embedded in that. So I'm always trying to connect to the past of a place so I can try to understand, like, what it's about. So that's probably the first one. Um, the second part is really around, like, food and liquor, basically. Like, <laughs> I love to drink and have fun. I find that Drinking allows people to release their inhibitions, and I like to connect with people when they are broken down. I cannot deal with people who are super guarded, and I just I don't have time for that. Like I really prefer to kind of get very gritty with people, um, and I find that my best relationships are those that are like loose and 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 uncomfortable. Like I, I like I like those things, so I try to get into those situations as much as I can. And then the last part is, like, I want to be, like, finding some boo or, like, having some bay moments. Like, <laughs> I love traveling with, like, someone I love or someone that I'm, like, in a romantic situation with or finding a romantic situation when I'm traveling because it's magic. Like, it's magic 
to be able to create those kind of moments with people when you're traveling. And so those those are the things that vacation looks like for me. Okay. So um, when we are ending our podcast, what? what? You're not going to give them a chance to answer it's not my fault. 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 It's not my Guys, we really care about your vacation. <laughs> I am sorry. I don't, I don't I'm care. sorry. Forget what Joey said. We, we want to know. You guys shopping do me yet. Oh. What would a vacation look like? Um, any place in the world, like, and in order, any place in the world that was not a colonizer. Like, I would like to go to countries that were not the colonizer first, and then I would go to, like, so a lot of people are just like, oh, man, I want to go to France, I want to go to, like, you know, Spain, I'm like, yeah, woo, it's so good. But there's other places (laughs) that, like, I feel like there's so much culture, and there's just so much to do in places that you know, we're not the colonizer because, like, the the history there and, like, I, I just feel like you could fall in love easier. easier. Um, and so, like, any any destination to that capacity, I would I would like to explore. Um, like, and even the ones that were not colonized, the ones that fought their colonizers because I feel like the pride that you would get there, the kind of, like, you know, joy in the people. Like, I- I- Haiti has been through the wire, but if you go there, the people are just, like, I'm Haitian. And like, you, and everything in the culture, like, is just like you just get you get like sauced in their culture, and bef- and then when you leave, like, you're like, wow, that was an epic experience. So that's the place I wanted to visit, like Brazil, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of those type of countries, and even in Asia too. Like, I I know India has like these amazing festivals. I want to the Taj Mahal. I want to go to Sri Lanka. Like, I grew up with a lot of Sri Lankans, and like I could kind of speak Sri Lankan at this point. And like, there's just so there's so many um places that I would like to explore because they know what it, they can identify with somebody that's a minority um, and I when I go there there's always that like understanding in any destination that I am that like yeah I'm a minority too they may be racist still but that we still have that connection that we're a minority and then like the culture I could kind of identify with. so my vacation yeah I'll be relaxing but I know like I'm a people mm-hmm. so first yeah, yeah. good uh, I've been I've been really really lucky to uh, have lived um, and worked and traveled internationally for uh, a while now. I'm, I'm from the U.S. originally, but I've lived outside of it for the last five years, and so I've been able to make a lot of uh, a lot of friends who f- are from a lot of different parts of the world. And for me, if if tastemakers wasn't a thing, um, kind of what I how how I did vacation before was where are my friends at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I, I have friends who live kind of all over Europe, all over the U.S. And, and, um, and across large parts of Africa. And, you know, it's kind of like I'm looking for when do I have a break and when who's the next person on my list that I can go visit. Mm-hmm. And then it's, oh, where are they located? Mm-hmm. And whether that's in, they're in San Francisco or whether that's in, they're in Nairobi or whether they're in Zurich in Switzerland, you know, it's where can I go to meet up with this friend? Oh, and then the location is almost secondary. Mm. But I've been fortunate in that I've built up this community of friends who are located everywhere, and so it's almost a byproduct mm. of that. And I think, you know, that bleeds into a lot of one of the reasons tastemakers appeal to me is kind of that local connection that you have. But I've been really lucky to have a lot of friends who I kind of show up and I'm hanging out with them, and they're like, 
I live in The Hague in Netherlands. Let me take you around to all yeah. these places anyway. Mm. And so for me, it's kind of friends first, mm. actually, and I've, I've been really lucky with that. Mm. Nice. Okay, Joey. <laughs> Yo, <good. laughs> Do your thing. Okay, guys. So anytime we're ending the podcast, there's something we all say, and it's how you're connected to Accra. With mine, it's um, when you say Accra we day, we say everybody for chop, which means everybody's got to eat. Neil probably say time no day because there's no time. So let me start from the boss. Oh. <coughs> I can't get out of it. we day. Can you explain it one more time? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, when people tell me Accra we day, I say everybody for chop because that's what I represent. Everybody got to eat. And Nii will say um, time no day because there's no time. Everybody got to move around. That's how you feel about Accra. So, Sheree, Akara we day. People we day. People we day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That's your shot at pigeoning. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a shot. Like, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. Like, <laughs> Jordan. Akara we day. Akara we day. Akara we day. Akara we day. Akara we if I knew that was over there, you go. Such a pick me. God's grace. God's grace. Because every single every single business out there has a shout out to God. God is Lord. God's grace enterprise. God's grace hair salon. Heaven Gates, Heaven Gates car wash. Guys, very real. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, I can't wait to listen to it.